Hey, it's Andrew. Before we get rolling on the podcast today, I said in the podcast that internet gaming and internet use addiction was a diagnosis in the DSM, which was a bold-faced lie that's not even true, but it is a diagnosis according to the World Health Organization and the American Psychiatric Association, which are the individuals who create the DSM said it is worthy of farther study. So it is a diagnosis to some, and I just wanted to make that clear before the podcast. So enjoy. Hello, 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 and welcome back, or welcome for the first time to Playtime. My name is Andrew Barnett, and I am a child therapist who lives and works in beautiful Asheville, North Carolina, and this is a podcast dedicated to children and play therapy coming at both of those things from a child-centered perspective. And I thought I might do today's podcast on school, but... That issue just seems too hot. There are a lot of people with opinions on it. And when I say too hot, I don't mean that it's not worth having an opinion about. But I feel personally just sorry for everybody in the situation. And what I'm talking about, of course, is the debate, at least here in the United States, about whether or not to return back to school due to the coronavirus because we have ballooning cases in the United States. And on the side of the people who want kids to go back, I think that that's that's a reasonable thing to want. And school does have a function for children. And I don't know what parents are going to do. I mean, that's the biggest thing if the children are home all the time. And obviously, not having school to stop the spread of the virus also makes a lot of sense so I you know I feel it for everyone in that circumstance but I didn't want to talk about school I wanted to talk today about technology because what's happening in some of the families that I work with is that children are home much more often than they were before and they have been for months they have been for months and parents are tired Children are tired, lonely, and bored. Many children, I'm not talking about everybody, of course, but many children are tired, lonely, and bored of the life that they are living at the moment. And as a result, technology use among many of the children I work with has gone up. And as a result, that sort of escalated to this point because, say, early in the pandemic, Parents were understandably feeling bad for their children and what was happening, were feeling stressed out themselves, and as a result, technology restrictions were loosened and we're all at home all the time anyway, like maybe the kids used to get to play an hour or two of, of some video game in the evening or something, but now everyone's just home all the time and that would be the only way to socialize 
right? We're not supposed to be around each other in person, so that socializing happens over technology and over video games, and so kids were playing more and more video games. Now that we've all been home for a little while, and in the United States, we are not anywhere close to having this pandemic even sort of under control for reasons that are amazing and inexplicable. Children are still at home a lot, and parents are feeling the pull to rein in some of this technology use to get things back under control, but that's, that's a hard thing to do when the kids are home all the time and they're bored, and the parents are home all the time and they're busy, and this technology just ends up getting used anyway, and then, you know, parents seem to all the time use technology, taking that away as a consequence, and so there ends up being a lot of uh, emotional energy built up around technology. And that's why I feel pulled to take a look at technology in general. And to do this, let's use our old friend, the DSM-5. The DSM categorizes technology use as an addiction, as an addiction. It's inside the DSM, it's an addiction. And so let's talk about technology use as many times falling into the category of overuse. And so we can call it addiction. And so if it's an addiction, and if the technology itself is the substance, then let's engage in an empathetic exercise. And we're not going to call technology technology. We'll just call it a substance. And we won't call a child a child. Let's call that child the addict. So let's say we have an addict who is addicted to a substance. Then let's say that that addict had that substance available to them in a wide variety of locations. Some of these addicts have the substance available to them in their rooms. Some of these addicts just maybe have an availability in like a living room or a common area. Some of these addicts may have multiple ways of feeding this addiction. The substance is everywhere. People have phones and TVs and video game systems in their bedrooms, in their living rooms, in their pockets. And then these individuals, these addicts say, are blamed for their use of this substance. They're told that they should be doing other things other than using this substance that they're addicted to. They're told that, oh my God, why are you still using this substance? Like they're met with, with anger around this thing. Sometimes they're given limits around the substance, like, oh, you can only use today for two hours. And then they are expected to independently control their use of that substance and stop on the two-hour mark when they're an addict and it's a substance. And the nature of being addicted is that you do not have control. And then they are told that they're being disrespectful for being out of control. And oftentimes then that substance is taken away from them. And like all addicts, these children addicts get angry when the substance is taken away from them. And often the substance is then still left around for them to use. They still have multiple access points for this substance. And it's often hard for these addicts not to go back to the substance when it's available. And then, then people get upset with them again. People get upset with them again for, being on this, for using this substance when they were told that they shouldn't do it. 
they're left in this desperate situation where they often are then shaming themselves and saying they're they're bad. I've heard children say that a lot. It's like, I'm so bad, I just can't help it. I've had multiple children say versions of that. In moments of clarity, when this unconscious addiction has been made conscious, they're like, man, I'm not happy. I'm not happy, and I can't stop. I don't know how. And sometimes when they reach that point with some adults who aren't just sitting with that, but who might say back to them, well, these are ways you can do it. These are ways you can figure it out. You could be doing this. You could be doing that. The shame can start again for the addict. And as if all of that wasn't bad enough, to start, the substance is everywhere. Next step, they're often asked to police themselves with the substance that they're addicted to. Next step, they're often shamed for not being able to police themselves effectively with the substance that they're addicted to. The step after that, that's even more deranged, somehow, is that while they're not using the substance, in some degree, we're, we're kind of, we're all addicted to the substance, in this case, technology. I'm on my phone way way more than I want to be, way more than I want to be. A quick Google search informed me that Americans on average watch more than four hours of television a day. That is a lot of technology. That's not even including like video game time. We're all addicts. We're all addicts. And well, maybe not all of us, but if you're not, bravo to you. And I would love to hear from you, to hear about your relationship to technology, because this is all very new for us. I don't want to be like the old man who's like, when I was a kid, but when I was a kid, I was I didn't have a video game system in my house, but when I would go over to friends' houses and say their mom or dad didn't want us playing video games anymore, like it was the middle of the day and it was a nice day, they would just come in and unplug it and say, y'all need to go outside. And then we'd go outside. And we didn't like it, but that's just what happened. Like, there wasn't anything else to do in that, in that situation. It wasn't like, oh, but we could find a way to play it on this or play it on that. I mean, it just occurred that straightforwardly. And I, I can find that a lot of times when, say, parents are working out these things with kids and a technology, it's more, it's more present than when I was a kid. It's everywhere. Adults are struggling with it. Kids are struggling. We're struggling with it as a species, right? Like, let's not, let's not blame this all on children. I think that's easy to do because they get pretty sucked into these things and they're really addicted and they're really young and their ability to control themselves with something that's that captivating is that doesn't really exist it doesn't naturally exist at all it didn't exist for me when I was a kid I could play video games forever we didn't have one in my house I feel lucky in that regard but I could play them forever and I don't just want to like shit on video games altogether and I'm not trying to talk about some naive utopia where video games don't exist they can be really cool they're very interesting but these things are addictive and the least that we can do is understand that we are presenting our child with an addictive substance. And that if they become addicted to that substance, it's not their fault. And we can't blame them for that. We can't shame them for that. The best we can do is to create structures with it, to create limits with it. The same way that if you are an individual who, say, drinks alcohol in your life, 
you you might find that if you have a relationship with it that's workable for you, that's comfortable for you, that you like, that you might not drink that sometimes on like one o'clock on a Wednesday or something. You might find yourself drinking more, say, during relaxing times on weekends or in the evening or something like that, that you might have an amount of alcohol that you allow yourself to drink. You might have a number that's like, yeah, I'm good. After that number of drinks, you found something with it that works. And I don't think we can expect kids to be rational with these things. I don't think we can expect them to be reasonable with these things, especially if a kid is, say, knees deep in some video game binge that has consumed their entire being, which happens. Like, if we can see a child in that circumstance through the same lens as we would see, like, someone in rehab, say, or someone who's, like, consuming a lot of a drug of any kind and is struggling and suffering as a result. And I say that to say that what we need in that circumstance is more empathy. There's a combination of finding what works for your child and your family, the structures that work, and firmly but lovingly maintaining those structures. There's going to be withdrawal. There is withdrawal from these video games when these structures are put in place for children. Individuals who are in withdrawal can be pretty monstrous and difficult to be around and angry and aggressive and sad and withdrawn. Just, you know, it could be any desperate Desperate would be a good word. Just any any combination of those things. And that should be expected. If you're a family who's struggling with video games and they're out of control and you decide to put structures around it, that's going to be an issue. And there's not really a way around that except to know what's going to happen and to continue to lovingly but firmly hold the boundary. Like, I know that you're angry that you can't play video games and you don't think it's fair and it doesn't make sense to you and you hate me right now and I'm holding this boundary. And you could say it until you sound like a broken record. I mean, ideally not, right? You could still be connective. You could still be that calming presence, which is, it's difficult, but it's not impossible. And I, I do really think that it's important if we want our children to use technology less. I'm basing this podcast on that premise. I don't know of any families who want their children to use technology more, but we have to take a look as adults at our own technology use then. We can't just be on our phones. If you're expecting your children to not use technology at all and do something like read a book, well then, you know, as adults, it's important that we are reading every day. As an example, for that. If we want our children to be connected and more intimate with us, well, you can't force anybody to do anything, but you can be available and you can be curious about their experience and you can provide opportunities for that connection and have the intention inside of yourself that I'm going to continue to remain available to my child. I am going to continue to energetically and vocally express interest in them, I am going to continue to not be on my phone, to not be on my computer, to not be watching TV or using technology if I am expecting them to not use technology. It's hard to be obedient to someone else's rules. 
especially when those rules are new, especially if rules are being changed, especially if the rules you're trying to follow aren't yours. It's nice to have a role model, and many of us need a role model. I don't think that all of us are just able to like snap our fingers and adjust to change rules and circumstances without a certain amount of griping. I myself, whenever like rules or standards change at my job or any job that I've had in my entire life, have at least a little bit of time of like, oh man, I can't believe they changed the rules again. This is dumb. Like, why do they always do this? Living under someone else's standards is difficult. And it's nice to have a role model for what that looks like. As a species, we are new to technology. It is a transformative moment for us as a species. If you had told me when I was a child that I would, in my pocket, have a device that could call anyone in the world and also get on any website, find any piece of information, buy anything I wanted, all from my pocket, that anyone in the world could get in touch with me at any time, to either call or text or send a video of their personal experience in this very moment. We could see each other's faces in a second. When I was a kid, we had to gather at a friend's house to play video games. Now you can play video games with all of your friends and hear and talk to each other and all play at the same time. We used to just have to watch each other play video games. The way that technology is changing our lives is crazy. And we're figuring it out as a species. We're figuring it out and we're having growing pains now and we'll continue to have growing pains with it we'll continue to develop our relationship with it we'll continue to probably have times where we demonize it and then times where we glorify it until we ride that pendulum back and forth until it slows down into this place where we have a relationship to technology where we harness its benefits and protect ourselves from its negative effects through awareness and possibly through structures that protect us if we determine that it is addictive. And where I get scared for children is that I can feel like sometimes when I'm talking with any family, and there's so so many, I'm not not thinking about anyone in particular because it's it's a real problem of the species right now, but some of the responsibility for developing a healthy relationship to technology can get passed on to our children. We can say, hey, you should be reading more, when really we wish that we were reading more. We can say, hey, don't use your video games so much, when we can be like, why do, why do I check my phone? And all these different things, as many times a day as I do, why do I, how many, how many hours do I spend scrolling, scrolling through things and being on this device? And we can pass on that desire for a better relationship to technology to our children. And it's not helping them develop a better relationship to technology. It's making it worse. What we can do is respect that developing a healthy relationship to technology is a legitimate struggle. What we can do is put the loving structures in place for them that we would want to have in place for ourselves. And then what we can do is role model what it looks like to have a healthy relationship to technology through adding the things to our lives or the intimacy in our lives or just the time in our lives that we want to be doing something else instead of being on a screen and role modeling what that looks like. If we want them to see how lovely and vital the outside world is, 
where the mind and the intellect and the imagination are, or to explore the depths of their creativity and emotional experience, or if we want them to embrace the intimacy they feel with the friends around them, with the people around them, with the world around them, and how vital the world is, then that has to be something that they can feel and see in us. We cannot cultivate something in them that does not exist in us. We cannot expect them to be better than us on our terms. And we can't pass on the problem of having a healthy relationship to technology. As adults, it is our responsibility to figure out what that is and live it ourselves. And that is everything that I have on this episode of Playtime. Thank you so much for listening. Head to barnettchildtherapy.com to check out the Child-Centered Children's Books series. Books designed to help you increase empathy for the little ones in your orbit. Please rate, review, subscribe, all of that good stuff. It helps the show get more reach. And contact me if you would like to contact me. I love hearing from people. It really it really does make my day when I hear from someone. And I then like to imagine that person listening to the podcast. And it feels really nice. It makes it feel more real to send this word vomit into the electronic universe and so in other words please write if you would like to (laughs) please write if you would like to and i will see you all next time